Welcome to the Dude Catholic Podcast. I'm your co-host Adrian here with a couple of men who cannot stop telling bad airport jokes. Their doctor <laughs> says it's an illness and it's terminal. Get it, terminal? All right. Um, <clears throat> so bad. It, it gets it gets it gets worse and worse every episode. It's not it's not even funny, but it's funny. The gentlemen that I was speaking of are Javier and Connor Martin. Indeed, our scripture today comes from the, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Mm. Delicious. So today we have an episode that we have not titled yet and shall remain untitled until it comes out. But, <laughs> but we have Connor Martin here with us. And if you could share a little bit of, a, of who you are, where you live, where you used to work, because that has to do with why you're on the podcast, because Javier knows you. Otherwise, we had, we'd have a, no chance of getting you on the podcast. So, um, so tell us a little bit about you and the ministry that you that you. Uh, certainly, are we allowed to use? Are we allowed to use the the school name? I, I adore the school that we came from. Are we allowed to like say the school names? Well, we're saying good things about it. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, last time, uh, well, we were talking about uh, well, another series we were talking about Catholic schools in a negative way. So we remained, I listened uh, to that. I listened to that, and that's why oh. I asked because I was like, uh, the school shall rename anonymous or no, no, no. This 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 is one of the good ones. So you know what? If we can even, I mean, we, it's not it's not like we have that many listeners, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say because it'd be hard to tell the story because I also went to that school. So, um, oh, yeah, wow. my name is Connor Martin. I grew up in Southern California, like um, a lot of your listeners, right? And um, and uh, I grew up in a, a you know a broken home, dysfunction junction. But um, nonetheless, the though, the Catholic roots are very strong in my family, especially coming from my father's side. <clears throat> and so, even though many people in my family battle their own inner demons whether it be like alcoholism but um um a stepfather and stuff like that with you know very abusive household and stuff but nonetheless you know um the lord's grace had uh you know enabled us to just power through it and you get by and kids are good they put on like a mask you know and they they don't really share so much at a young age like what's going on and and you just kind of go through life and so but nonetheless i was uh, destined to go to Servite Catholic High School in Anaheim, California, the home of the nice. Servite Friars. Nice. Very nice. Rito, man, it's it honestly is. Um, I can't imagine my life without the formation there. And then even going back to teach there later in my life, um, getting to hang out with guys like like Javier here. And like, honestly, they have an all star cast of just a bunch of dudes. Seriously, at all boys school, um, you'd expect nothing less. And uh, so I went to school there. And everything was going as planned. You know, I was um, big into sports and the football and track, and which is one of the major reasons why I went there. It wasn't so much for a spiritual formation, although that was always in the docket. I was there to be a survive football player. And um, everything was going to plan. My freshman year, I was like the MVP, offensive MVP, and went up to varsity even oh, as a freshman for the playoffs. And then started as a sophomore and a junior, and everything was going well. But then after we lost um, – in the playoffs my junior year, um, it was just a normal Monday. You know, we lost on a Friday, went to school that next Monday. And one of my friends is like, hey, I got some marijuana here. And then my other friend was like, hey, I got a bong in my car. And I was like just kind of standing there. 
And I was like, well, let's go, you know? And I was not, um, I wasn't like a, a big old pothead or anything like that, but you know, it wasn't my first rodeo. And, um, and so I was like, yeah, I'll go with you guys. And I don't even remember yeah. like anyone smoking before, you know, a teacher was knocking at the window and Javier knows Servite is very, it's kind of like a Fort Knox, you know, they shut those gates and yeah. you know, they, there's not Bob wire, but it's something not unlike that, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. security guards patrolling and stuff. And so we're just a bunch of knuckleheads <clears throat> and we get escorted to the uh, principal's office and uh, we, we all got expelled right there. I mean, if you, if you, wow. if you, test dirty i mean that's one thing you know they'll work with you but if you break the law i mean it's like you kind of tied the, the administration's hands behind their back there it's like what do you want us to do um and so we all got expelled and because and so one guy ended up going back to survive to graduate on time but for two of us it just wasn't in the cards it was just too difficult um they're all doing very good though now <clears throat> praise god oh wow you're still in touch with them yeah yeah it's more, more or less i talked to one a little bit more but um for sure. But yeah, they're both doing they're both doing very well. But um, but for me, because my I had no no foundation at home. So for me to fall back on something was just like an impossibility. So there was lack of support for sure from all areas. But I, I gotta kind of preface this story with with my father's own story of recovery coming back to the faith. So if the day I got kicked out of Servite, you have to rewind it back one year. So one year earlier, my dad was at our modern day game. You know, we have a big rivalry with modern day and it was my sophomore year and we had lost 19 to nothing. And, um, when we came off the field to load up the buses, you know, it's a sad time for a survivor fire in those moments, but my dad yeah. was, was uh, drunker than a skunk at the bus waiting for us. <laughs> and he was like yelling at us and like, Oh, you guys are horrible and blah, blah, blah. And like, every, it was just super embarrassing. You can imagine, you know, <clears throat> he was three sheets to the wind and uh, on his way home from the game, he ran a red light and he got pulled over and he got thrown into, into jail that night. And it was like there in that jail cell that he was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta turn my life around. And so he quit drinking alcohol just a few days uh, after he got out of jail and so when I got kicked out of Servite, my dad was now one year sober and like doing everything back to the sacraments, hardcore AA meetings daily, and just doing all the right things to get his life back on track. <clears throat> and then um, when I got kicked out of Servite, um, I had my dad, who was literally the only sober person in my life that can make an impact and get me help. But because I didn't have like a strong identity in Jesus Christ, like I am made in the image and likeness of God. I am his child, win, lose, or draw in this life. He loves me and died for me. I didn't really believe that and understand that yet. And so my identity relied on me being a survive football player. That's like who I was to my core. Like my deepest identity, unfortunately, was being a survive football player. And so in one fell swoop, that was taken away. And so, as you guys know, like when your identity is on anything other than being a child of God and being his, 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 his child, his, his a baby whom he loves, like then what happens like if you're a good student and like now you get an F or what happens even if you just your, your deepest identity is even being a father or a husband, but your relationship falls apart. Like everything, the world can fall apart around you and that's not a good thing. You know, because these things are, can lead you to your greatest joy, but your greatest joy can never be in those things. They have to be in God alone. 
And Man. so the oh. depression that happened immediately was so drastic because my life was, you know, literally through my own fault, my own sin was ripped out from underneath me. Wow. And so my dad, who was right there to catch me while I was falling, um, I didn't want anything to do with that because um, I was so ashamed. You know, I let my Servite community down, my brothers who I've been with for years. I let my dad down. You know, I let myself down. <clears throat> and so no exaggeration. Within two weeks getting kicked out of Servite, I was smoking meth and crack and got arrested for burglary, grand theft, and vandalism. Wow. And, and that's coming from like a, an all-star Trinity League football player, which, yeah. you know, it's, which is saying something and like to smoking meth. And so what we did, like, just to give you a little backstory on like the burglary thing, a, a couple of my friends and I, we tried to break into a, a coin operated a little laundromat. <laughs> yeah. And Genius so move. Uh, yeah, Genius move. In, it turns out it makes a lot of noise, you know, <laughs> rip open uh, metal on metal. And so two of us got arrested and three got away and that led, and I had like, you know, you know, drug paraphernalia on me and scales and it just wasn't good. Gosh. It wasn't good. And then, so, and then even in that scenario, because my dad was literally trying to get me help and like kidnap me off the streets, um, that led to a police altercation as well. Um, one time where my dad was trying to snatch me off the streets and, and because of that, I was actually able to convince uh, a superior court judge to get a restraining order on my own father. So they uh -huh. listened to the bug addict 17 year old to get a restraining order on the only person in my life that was trying to get me help. Welcome to California. Yeah. yeah welcome to California. And now wow. that, that, that superior court judge has actually been disbarred for other reasons, you know, and like, it just a whole like, wow. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And then I remember at the expulsion hearing, uh, which happened just a few weeks later <clears throat> at Servite, my um, my dad, um, someone from the clergy actually served my dad the restraining order. And my dad what? knew it was coming. Yeah. On Servite property. My dad's like, do not serve me that restraining order. Not on this holy ground. And he did. And then like, I'm not saying like, I mean, that, that clergy member has also gone on to his, his, his final reward. So may he rest in peace. But it's just like people that like got in the way of like, I don't know. Just, I don't know if it ended well for a lot of people who like found themselves on the, on the opposite side of like a father son relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. who took the side that like in hindsight was the better option. Like let's support uh, that relationship of mending and healing. Yeah. Like man, saw disbarment, people dying. Like it was, it's kind of, it's kind of bizarre. Maybe it, maybe a story for a different podcast, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a man's podcast, so it's it's kind of good to bring these things to light, you know, that yeah, fathers, that, sure. that that masculinity, you know, and proper development thereof is anything but encouraged in, in this society. Yeah, it's it's so it's so ugly. Um, the deep father wounds that so many of us have. Thank God my dad is yeah. like my best friend now. And he has been since not long after this whole this whole tragedy in my life. So yeah. anyway, so I have a restraining order on my father. And so now my dad, who can't even get a message to me through a third party, like wow. Javier, go tell Connor that his dad wants to you know, get him help. You couldn't even do that without breaking the restraining order. Wow. Wow. That's yeah, so, pretty strict. That's pretty strict. Yeah. And so my dad, he was just reminiscing. Oh, so just a few months later, like three months later, you know, I'm smoking meth every single day and living on the streets, basically. 
And now my dad has this restraining order on him. <clears throat> He's just, you know, reminiscing going through an old football program. And it was from my sophomore year when we were playing uh, St. John Bosco. And it was like one of my breakout games. And so I was actually starting a wide receiver and I got uh, pushing like workhorse duties. We had two senior running backs that went down with injuries and they, and they put me in a running back and um, I had like 30 carries and 178 yards and a, a touchdown that I called back that would have won the game, mm-hmm. but it was just like a, a valiant effort in a, in a losing effort, you know? Sure. And my dad was kind of reminiscing, looking at this football program, like kind of like, you know, crying, going like, man, this is what we're throwing away. He's not going to graduate high school at this point. He's not going to play football senior year. But in that football program, he stumbles upon an ad dedicated to Our Lady of Fatima. And in Our Lady of Fatima, it had like the five first Saturday devotions, which I'm yeah. sure you guys are familiar. So on five first Saturdays, you go to confession, you pray the rosary, meditate upon the mysteries for 15 minutes and accompany Our Lady in our sorrows, making amends for the, the sins against her immaculate heart. Then you go receive the Eucharist. And so you do that for five consecutive months. And so, but under, underneath like the description of the five for Saturday devotions was a tagline. And it says, when you pray the rosary, the power of God is in your hands. And so my dad stumbles upon that ad and goes, that's exactly what I need. I wow. need the power of God in my hands to save my son's life. Wow, and so that's, that's late March of 2002. That's mm. a manliest thing I've heard. <laughs> right going Dude. to our lady humble with with humility and but like knowing that that's like you know media access of all grace man don't get me started man jesus christ came through her hey, all good things please come get started <laughs> you know so, and, uh, so my pops uh him being a football dad it was late march of 2002 which if you guys uh were to go back and google that uh pope john paul ii instituted the year of of the of the rosary, rosary. during the year yeah, so my right. dad hit the jackpot Ali fatima said she was the lady of the rosary my wow. dad on this ad during the year of the rosary in which so saint john paul saint pope john paul ii initiated or instituted the luminous mysteries <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> he did so my dad had, he uh so he goes i'm all in i'm all in late march being a football dad he goes if i could do it april may june july august Maybe we can in August we can find my son a football field. That's what he was thinking. You know, granted, there's a miracle. And so he does that diligently. He's a daily rosary guy. Um, went to mass and, and did the five first Saturday devotions. And lo and behold, <clears throat> um, just a few days after he completed that uh his first cycle, that five-month novena, mm-hmm. I called him up and it, it was coinciding with my rock bottom. And I said, come save my life. And so this was eight months of basically everyday drug use for me with, with a lot of, whole lot of meth. There were some other wow. things in there too, like crack and, and that stuff. But meth was like the, the major one that I was into. And, um, and he had a plan. He took me up to Reno, Nevada. And uh, we went to, got enrolled in Reno High School in Reno, Nevada. And, wow. uh, and where I had to jump through the hoops because my grade point average was like non-existent at that point. So we had to actually apply for like an emotional hardship case with the head of the NIAA, um, which is the equivalent of like the president of CIF, <clears throat> just, to, just so I can play football. Wow. And so I had to turn in my Dang. grades and I teach reports every single week before the football games. And it, it all ended up really well. You know, we, we start out two and five in the football season. And then I worked myself into shape and our team just started coming together as a family, all these internal issues that our, our team was having. 
But lo and behold, through a miracle of Our Lady, without a doubt, we ended up going nine and five and winning the state championship. Damn. No way. No. And that's just, just 90 days of, sobri- of sobriety, doing the right things, getting back to the sacraments. Well, and public was, school, right? That's a public school. Public right? school, yeah. In the highest division, though, at, at the at, in, in Nevada. So, wow. It was, it was an winning awesome. state. It's, it's, the winning state, yeah. So, did you guys play days, Bishop Gorman or something? They they're in our in our division, but they got bounced out earlier in the playoffs. Thank God. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bishop, Bishop Gorman is uh is is no joke. Down there. No yeah, joke. yeah, yeah, yeah. They had like Demarco Demarco Murray was a running back for him. Like it wasn't looking wow. good. All, all roads were leading to Gorman, but no, they they actually there was a better team down south, a couple better ones that year, and they got bounced out uh, earlier in the in the playoffs. But we made it all the way and. And, um, you know, we gave all the credit to God and, and, and glory to his name. And actually the, the day of the state championship game, the day before, <clears throat> um, the great, like big interview came out with this, the story of my fall from grace coming from Servite and the tri- tribulation between my father and I and the drugs and how it all led to the state championship of which we eventually won that next afternoon. So it all ended like a Cinderella story for me. Nice. Wow. That, no, you, so- were, you were a child at this point. Like yeah, I was like 17, 17 yeah, years old. You were a kid. Yeah. How do we go from that to where you are now? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So obviously because we want to we want to learn a little bit more about the uh about the missionary work that, yeah, you've, been, and that's that you've been exactly- doing. Because getting getting there was, you know, not to not to make a pun or not, but not to not make a pun. It was a mission. Yeah, it was, man. It was a mission. And the reason why that story is so important because this um Marian ministry doesn't make sense. If I don't kind of give you that groundwork right there, yes, yeah, but but, but let's, but I want to skip over the 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 the, the vocation too, because that oh, that wait, there's yeah, there's more, <laughs> there's more, yeah, yeah. man, because you 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 wind up going to the seminary, which is which I is did. again bizarre, yeah. So obviously, yeah, yeah. So obviously, at that point, even to my young spiritual journey, it was very obvious to me. That one, God was real. That two, that he loved me. That three, Mary was a big part of the Catholic faith. And not only that, like my personal relationship with Mary was, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Rock solid. Like I I knew I had a heavenly mother who loved me even in greater ways than my own mother could do. And like when you have that type of confidence in heaven pulling for you, like a heavenly family, like (laughs) You guys know I'm preaching the choir here. It's like the sky's the limit, you know? So, but I have to preface this. Like I'm still a sinner and like, I'm a chocolate mess, you know, like through and through. So, uh, heaven's so close. I'm I'm (laughs) biting my tongue. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. And so as like, I tell these miraculous stories, like know that like I am a broken vessel, but it seems to be par for the course that that's like who God desires to use because he gets all the credit in that case. Amen. You know, I'm a five, I'm five foot six, a hundred and nothing, you know? So I don't fit the, I'm not a, a, a six foot four Adonis, you know, I don't fit yeah. the bill, you know, for like a great athlete or anything like that. So, so when did you start considering the priesthood? Like, was that yeah. your senior year? Was it after high school when you were in college? It was, it was right. I was uh, during my, when I turned 21, so 17. So just okay. like a young, a young buck, I graduated high school and I had no desire to go to college. I hated school still like. You know, I just barely got through, you know, by the skin of my teeth. And so um, a few years go by, you know, 18, 19, just doing odd jobs, delivering pizza, but still like 
I'm fostering a prayer life. You know, I, I, I realized that God did something miraculous in my life. And then during my, when I was 20 years old, my dad's 50th birthday was coming up. And I said, well, dad, what do you want for your 50th birthday? And he's like, well, why don't you come and like do my Fatima devotion with me? You start one yourself. And I was like, oh, I, was, I was like, you got it. I was like, that's all you want. You know, anything for your 50th, you know, you saved my life. And like, by, at this point, my father and I were, were rock solid. We're really close. And so on October 7th, which you guys know is a feast day of our lady, the Holy Rosary. That's right. In 2006, October 7th fell on a first Saturday, which is actually quite rare. The next time it would happen would be 11 years later on in the year of 2017. So that's the 100-year anniversary. So I kind of hit like a Fatima jackpot myself. So I found myself in San Dimas, California at a parish called Holy Name of Mary on the feast day of Our Lady of Holy Rosary. On her first Saturday, I did my first devotion. I started my first devotion in 2006, like 20 years old. So I went to confession, prayed the rosary, received the Eucharist. And I came out of the confessional. Um, it sounds like so cliche, but like a changed man, like, at that point, like I said, God, you for sure got me. I came out of that confessional. I said, you got me on Sundays. Sundays are yours. I'm going to go to mass every Sunday. And that's it. I'm going to finish this novena. Like You got me. And so that's what I did. So it was October, November, December, January, February. What is it? October, November. How do I count? October, November, December, January. <laughs> Five months later, February 2007. I had yeah. just turned 21. It's Lent. Lent's about to start. I just finished my first cycle. By the way, my dad has done that novena two times a year wow. since 2002. Wow. It's 2021. He's done it like 40 times. It's, I don't even know. You have to do the math. I'm not a math guy. Ridiculous. Two times a year <laughs> since 2002. It's out of control. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And so my, my pops, uh, he's kind of challenged me again. He said, okay, big Catholic dude, like now you're practicing, practicing Catholic, the real deal. You know, what are you going to give up for Lent this year? I was like, I don't know. I just turned 21. I was like, I'm going to give up booze, you know, and things like that. And my dad's like, that's all good. Him being you know, recovering uh, alcoholic himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, that's good. Let's, you should do that. But how about we start doing something as well? Let's like put more weight on the bar. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I said, what do you have in mind? He's like, how about we go to mass every day and we pray the the Holy Rosary every single day together. I'm like, okay, you, you do it with me. I'm in. And so I think it was like February 21st, um, Ash Wednesday of, uh, 2007. We met at St. Joseph's Catholic church in Placentia, California. And we started our Lenten journey. And I never stopped going to daily mass since that day. It's 2021 now. Um, there. And so that's, that's it in a nutshell. And so that was 2007. By the time I wasn't confirmed yet, 2008 rolled around, I got confirmed. I immediately jumped into like any ministry I could get into, youth ministry, confirmation, uh, you you name it. And then uh, by 2010, I, I entered seminary. So it was actually at a Steubenville conference in 2008 where I like publicly made it known, like I feel like God's calling me to the priesthood. So I went up on oh, one of those, one of those, uh, those, those seminary things. altar calls. Do, 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 yes, do a, do exactly. You've been one, there. Uh, a quick explanation. Cause I don't know if everyone that, that listens knows about the Steubenville conferences. Uh, yeah. And the altar call yeah, to the let, seminary. Give, give, uh, give Connor a break. <laughs> you know, right you breather and maybe you can, you can explain yeah. the, the Steubenville conference over here. Yeah. So the Steubenville conferences are, are there's like, maybe like, man, there's more now. There's I mean, more now. Yeah. There's but, like, 
20 but anyways so they have them every year during usually during the summer it's like a high school age type yeah. of conference yeah and and it's for a whole weekend it's usually at a university and they have speakers and it's kind of a retreat experience and it's a huge crowd usually you have like at least a thousand some places even like two thousand people it's really amazing you have these like you know frontline speakers and and musicians and and priests and it, it, it is like a huge rally it's amazing but at the end on sunday they usually have this altar call where they call up anybody who has these sentiments of a vocation to the priesthood or consecrated life or you know to be a nun mm-hmm. uh to be a sister or a brother that you should come up and, and make it known and and all these people come down. And <laughs> I remember I went lot. down. I went down there like three times, you know. I didn't. <laughs> <You> did. <laughs> and I remember when I went down, you're like, oh man, I'm like making it known. Like, you know, I was kind of feeling that, you know, vibing with this girl, but now I went down, so I can't talk to her anymore, you know. But but yeah, so that's that's the thing there. But anyways, go go ahead. You can you can uh, yeah, and so I so I did that and then um yeah, in 2000, January 3rd, 2010, I entered seminary <laughs> studying for the Diocese of Orange, where um, Javier is a currently a teacher. And um, yeah, I went up to Mount Angel Seminary to work on my undergrad philosophy degree at, at a Benedictine monastery up there. That's where um, the Diocese of Orange sent, um, if not all at the time, all their undergrad collegiate seminarians. So mm, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you already had a another degree, you may go somewhere else. But if you were undergrad, so you went to Mount Angel Seminary. Nice. And so that's where I stayed for two and a half years. And do they still do that? Like a, a, do they still send yeah, them there? Yeah, we send. Yeah, yeah, we send a lot of guys there. But we use we utilize a couple other undergrad seminaries now too, though. Okay. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with the other ones we use, but we do use more. Gotcha. And um, it was a, a such a blessing in my life and the foundation, especially like with the monastic spirituality, and really set a framework on how you know reflecting now, like how I. You know, we should all have like some type of Benedictine esque attitude in our own uh, discipline, spir- uh, spirituality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man. We have to have that. And so, but nonetheless, I felt that God was calling me out of the seminary. And it, there was a number of external signs. Uh, my mom passed away, grandma passed away all during my senior wow. year in college. And, and, and of course, my own prayer life. And so the goal was to, um, you know, step away. And, and then that's kind of, what led me out, you know, and, um, and from there and my life stayed the same spiritually in a sense that, um, it was still daily mass and daily rosary and just trying to work hard for the kingdom. And I immediately jumped into some other ministries and, and, um, I got, I, I eventually started dating who would become my later wife. And, but I would do like, um, um, youth correctional facility ministries and leading Bible studies and stuff like that. And, but um, this is where Immaculate Ministries kind of comes into play. So, but maybe I should give a backstory on Beatrice. Who, so in 2010, I entered seminary wanting to do great things for Jesus, as we all do. So like, Amen. like, honestly, like I'm a football guy. I'm a sports guy, as you guys are. And, and like, if you're not, you know, if we're not striving for the Hall of Fame. I'm not much of a sports guy. I walk my dogs. <laughs> I think that's. that's hey, you can make much. that a sport too. Oh, I stretch right here. now, like a few seconds ago, I did a quick little stretch. Javier is gilded from head to toe with Dodgers right now. So I know, I know. He's like, we we are sponsored by the Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> Delicious. Mm. Yeah, the prayers of Tommy Lasorda coming through. Yeah. And um, 
And so I wanted to be like, I want to do something great for God, you know? Like, I, I just always felt that, you know? It's like you felt chosen for greatness. And, you know, and so when I left seminary, though, as some guys in this current podcast may know, like, when you leave a certain amount of, like, man, I failed comes into your life. Like, man, I let God down. and all these, these oh, prayer totally, man. Down. Totally. Tough transition, man. I'm telling you, especially oh, if, you go, yep. if you go back to your same hometown, your hood, yeah. your hoodie hood, and like, like, oh, what are you doing? You know, when you go back to seminary, it's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if that was in the cards for me. It's like, yeah, oh, it's tough. Yeah, oh, it's tough. It's just, oh. you know, it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, it's not a good transition. I would say the majority of time, it's difficult. Yeah. I, I, when I left the seminary, I was told that by my superior that i didn't have a vocation which was which was really very devastating and very heartbreaking for me um so much so that it it caused me to have like a mini crisis i i started doubting god i started um questioning god like god why is it you don't want me like why is it you rejecting me it was it was huge man it was like it, it like started like feeding into my father wound because here i am like giving myself to god <laughs> Um, and I feel I'm being, I feel like I was being rejected by my heavenly father. I was rejected all my life by my, my earthly father. Now I'm being rejected by my heavenly father. So it was for me, man, it was, it was, yeah, it was, so I, I, I could definitely speak to that brother. And, and it was, it was not easy. It was not easy. Uh, and then coming back into the world, cause I had been cloistered, uh, cause I was in a religious order, um, you know, but, but anyways, yeah, it's it's so difficult. I realize that like any one of these topics would be father wounds, like my high school journey, the transition from seminary to back to you know a lay state, quote unquote. Like mm. these are all like their own podcasts. Um right. But so I entered seminary in 2010. And so I want to now share a little bit of backstory about um Immaculate Ministries, which is the ministry that I helped co-found with a couple people, uh Steve Tatro. Um, and also Beatrice Agulamuga, who's in, who lives in Kenya, Africa. But meanwhile, in Whittier, California, I have to go do my laundry, so I'll see you guys next week, okay? All right, bye-bye now. What you know about that swabby tail? <laughs>